Do not, do not, do not Google Seth Putnam. Put that down. What are you doing? Incorrect, sir. I'm in meerkat pose now. Unacceptable. You almost slapped my phone right out of my hand. <laughs> right. <laughs>
It's like, I think my boobs are outrageously big. I don't think they're outrageous. I think I think they're great. You would think that. But and they're just double D's. They're not anything crazy. And that's like, pretty, that's, OK, that's a little crazy. Double D's a little crazy. Well, I'm only like an A. <laughs> so at best like, on a but, good day but like she's going to triple m what do, you, what do you even wear at that point like what do you wear like do they make bras like that i mean like probably custom probably like 90 dollars each or something i don't know $90? i don't know how much bras are <laughs> it say. sounds expensive is it not no that's that's a reasonable <laughs> that's just standard bra price yeah it's a reasonable Lord. i mean it's bras are very expensive it's, well it depends on the quality but no. yeah, 90 is 90 is not a triple M size. 90 is what you'll pay for a double D. What the hell? Yeah. You clearly know nothing. Jon Snow. Yeah, they, I think comparable. I think it would be a jockstrap. Those are very inexpensive. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I could pick up a jockstrap for like seven dollars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that was my only jockstrap cup is separate. But yeah. Those my how much is a cup? I don't know, probably a few bucks. It's just plastic, huh? Plastic and rubber. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, that's that's not really a news story. I don't even think it's recent. It was just like a compilation of weird, yeah, stories. And I was like, that's just craziness. Yeah. Like everybody, calm down. <laughs> yeah. But on the upside, those and, people and who wear your seatbelt. Wear your seatbelt. <laughs> don't have body dysmorphia. So are you going to go first this week or what are we doing? I will go first. Did we want to get any more plugs in or anything before we continue? Mm, rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Thank you to our Patreon donors. We did get a question in the group on where to even find Patreon stuff. Oh, okay. So it's patreon.com slash couple goals podcast. You can also find it at couple goals up in the top where it says support. And if you have recommendations or things you want to send in, you can also go to couplegoalspodcast.com and click on the recommendation tab up top. So those were the two questions that we answered this past week. So we're going to have a little fun this week with, with you anyway. The listeners will, will know who this is just from the description of the podcast if they read the description i'm, I'm guessing a lot of people of just the podcast description of the podcast this oh, will this be episode. yeah this episode will be, i was like the description is passionately some people curious. just call it the podcast not necessarily the episode i think you can just say the pot this is this is a this, this is, is episode 29 oh, you guys thought pod. i was gonna get away without saying what episode number we're on well i'm not we're on episode 29 lohisima we did it thank you meerkat maggie um oh. So I was going to see if you could guess what band. I'm going to do a band this week. I'm just going to do oh to cover a band. So Sean knows my topic this week, but I don't know his. And I asked him what it was because I was trying to pick my topic. And like, I don't want what happened last week where we both have like the worst shit ever to happen. So I was like, what are you doing? And then I'll, you know, choose accordingly. And he was like, I'm doing a band. And I was like, what band? And he wouldn't tell me. So I was like, are we are you doing the monkeys? Are you doing the Beach Boys? And like I went through all of them and he was like, yes. So <laughs> I don't know what he's actually doing because he wouldn't tell me. So I'm going to see if you can guess from my first little bit of description and then I'll I'll give it away here. So I'll just say uh, I'm going to focus on the founder of the band, also the singer, songwriter, white male, fighters. Uh, white male American. He was the founder of an infamous grindcore band. Oh. 
He's known for his high-pitched scream vocals and lyrics designed to shock, offend, or invoke morbid humor. His name, his first name was Seth. Anything? Nothing? He's looking confused. I thought you were going to do like a band people knew. No. <laughs> That's no fun. Oh. <laughs> nah. Oh. All right. His name is, is Seth Putnam. Does that help? No. No? Seth Putnam doesn't? Wow. Okay. I thought that would get, give me a dead giveaway. That's why I didn't want to say his name. <laughs> Her listeners are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. The whole this world is like is the like... Justin Timberlake of Grindcore guys. What the hell? Meanwhile, Seth Putnam's like, what? What did I do? <laughs> like, he doesn't know either. <laughs> All right. So I'll just, I'll go on here. Uh, Seth was born on May 15th, 1968 in Newton, Massachusetts. I don't know why I put that information in there. I don't think anybody cares about his parents Dude. or that they're divorced. Oh, somebody copied the first paragraph of Wikipedia. This is all Wikipedia. Okay, because that's no what shame. it is. Yeah. Like Wikipedia. All right, so, so he married real his... Quick, what? before we start talking, before we go into Seth's backstory. Yeah. Am I supposed to know who that is for real? Okay, that's not the question. <laughs> the question is, say say that again. Say the website that you got that from. Wikipedia. Have we talked we, about that on the podcast? Yeah, I say Wikipedia because <laughs> you don't like that I say Wikipedia. crazy. <laughs> so I keep it's saying it. Wikipedia. <laughs> Why? Why can't it be Wicca? Because it can't. Oh, okay. Well, this is all from Wikipedia. Oh. <laughs> all right, so where was I? Seth married his first wife, Allison, in December 1998. They divorced in 2001. Married his second wife, Julie, in 2008. In the mid-1980s, he played bass in a thrash metal band called Executioner. Does that help you out at all? Does it give you any? No? Nothing? <laughs> You look like you're really thinking about it, too. This is great. Like, I don't understand. All right. Despite his shock humor and turbulent lifestyle, Putnam was often described by fans and peers as a warm, intelligent, sensitive man. He saw himself as a comedian and used... Oh, is he dead? ...and used music as an outlet. Is he dead? Is that why all the past tense? Yeah. Okay. He was only born in 68. Why is he dead? That's the end of the story, Maggie. <laughs> like that's how it ends. We don't uh, start. We don't start at the end and work our way back. Oh, uh, you ever seen this Memento? This is Pulp Fiction. Memento. Yeah. There's, okay. Yeah. Better example. Memento. This is not Memento. In school, classmates who knew Putnam described him as intelligent and stern, but unmotive, unmotivated, apathetic, and an underwhelming student. Oh, uh, that's. However, <laughs> he skipped a grade in school and became a very bright student, tutoring his classmates. What? Yeah. He learned to fight people and receive violence from a young age. In his own words, he often blamed brutal fights with Catholic school nuns for helping to shape his cynical personality. Do not, do not, do not Google Seth Putnam. Put that down. What are you doing? Incorrect, <laughs> sir. I'm in meerkat pose now. Unacceptable. You almost slapped my foot right out of my hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unacceptable. Good day. I said good day. Yeah. I really don't like. <laughs> you hate not knowing. I I'm almost there. I'm like a paragraph away from the big reveal. Then stop talking and do that. No, read it. Stop talking. Stop talking and just show me. Uh, did you hear the last thing I said? Because it's a ridiculous the, sentence. The nun? Yeah. yeah. He, he blamed his brutal fights with Catholic school nuns for helping <laughs> to shape his. So, so that just, in my mind, I just picture like fisticuffs and like a <laughs> like a pig ped cloud of dirt well, on the catholic school playground as he, he was born in 68 so i mean around that time is when nuns used to still be allowed to hit you yeah yeah i mean Maybe he stood up for himself 
And he was like, not today, sister. (laughs) (laughs) When he reached high school after eighth grade, he had lost interest in excelling in education or academics, becoming more of a slacker and an underachiever by the time he had graduated school. He left the Catholic religion in which he was raised. After graduation, he showed no interest in attending college or university. On March 1st of 1988, in the city of Newton, Massachusetts, which is near Boston, he formed the band Anal Cunt. So there, there it is. That's the big reveal. Because <laughs> we're Cat Maggie. <laughs> She's sitting up, guys. <laughs> you, you fucking. <laughs> what? I can't even put that name in the description. <laughs> no. Well, there's other ways. You could put AXCX. That was a common abbreviation. Or just A dot C dot. Yeah. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so horrified? This podcast has gone off the rail. <laughs> you called me a cunt like three times while I was doing this research. <laughs> and you were like, you should you like that word. It's like, bitch, that's your topic. Right. That's why I thought it was funny. I, I was kind of throwing it back on you so that what I did, you know, was like we've said cunt on the podcast. Oh, but disclaimer, uh, if you're offended by profane language, offensive language, uh, no, politically incorrect rated. material, don't we're, listen to our podcast. Also, I think they already know. We're rated explicit. <laughs> yeah. So it's fine. I, I guess I should put that disclaimer beforehand. <laughs> if you're like easily offended by the politically incorrect and profane, don't don't listen. Jesus so yes, Christ. anal cunt was formed March first, nineteen eighty-eight. You know, in Australia, cunt is just—it's almost—it's like mate. It's yeah, like, it's, like, it's like hey, like mate. Al. It's like hello, right? You know, hello, cunt. It's, it's just. No, I don't think it's quite like yeah. that. I think it's more it's like... A, it's a very common greeting. You know, like when you call your friends like dickhead and stuff? It's more like that. Oh, you think it's like that? Yeah. I think kids use it over there. I don't what, think so. If I've learned I've never, anything from the band King Parrot, everybody's everybody calls everyone cunts, and it's a term of affection and endearment. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> your face. I don't think so. Oh, uh, that, That's the big takeaway from, from King Parrot, another fantastic grindcore band. All right. The name Anal Cunt came from Seth Putnam's attempt to, quote, get the most offensive, stupid, dumb, etc. name possible. I'd say mission accomplished. You did it. Lohisima. (laughs) (laughs) Common misconception is that the band is named after the song Anal Cunt by Gigi Allen. Yeah. Bring it around back. Bring it around, right? But in fact, Allen's song was written years after the band had started. So, yeah, he, he wrote a song about the band, Anal Cunt, basically. Uh, the band did, however, later render tribute to Gigi Allen by recording a version of his uh, famous top 40 hit, I'll Slice Your Fucking Throat If You Fuck With that Me. That is not a famous top 40 <laughs> hit. <laughs> uh, originally recorded by Allen and the Murder Junkies. So from Anal Cunt's inception, it's got, I wonder... Listeners, keep track of how many times no. we say the word cunt, and maybe I'm we can like, get so in, like, the Guinness Book of World Records for, like, most radio broadcasted. This isn't for, radio broadcasted. A lot, but this medium podcast broadcast? I don't like that. There's got to be some term for this, right? No. <laughs> you got to be more verbal, babe. Yeah, you can't just, just mean mug me. <laughs> like, the listeners even, don't get that. I can't even find words. <laughs> I'm so horrified by this. That explains why Logan just bust up laughing <laughs> when he I, saw. When he saw what I, my topic. Topic. <laughs> and then he wouldn't tell me, largely right. because he won't swear at me. Right. All right. So 
from from its inception, the band underwent a number of lineup changes, like a ridiculous amount of lineup changes. Seth Putnam being the only constant in the band. <laughs> I like that you were like, you know, Seth Putnam. Yeah. Of anal cunt fame. Yeah. <laughs> no. I've talked about him before, though. You talk about a lot of things. <laughs> okay. All right. Known for its grindcore musical style and controversial lyrics, Anal Cunt released eight full-length studio albums in addition to a number of compilations and EPs. You know what an EP? Do you know what EP stands for? Do you know what it is? I'm just curious. Isn't it like this short, like little onesie, twosie, threesie songs? Like it is. The EP stands for extended play, which oh. means an extended play single, is what it is. Basically, it's just. Now, even though there might not be an actual single released off of it, it's just a way of saying like a shorter album, like a five or six song album, typically. But that's what an EP is. It's an extended play single. Why do you look so confused? Well, because extended play single, but like it sounds to me like it's more like shortened play album. More <laughs> like well, you weren't there when they came up with this. Oh, so the band was actually meant as a joke. It was supposed to only record one demo and do one show. Yeah, it sounds like a band that was meant to be a joke. Yeah. However, That's what it sounds like they ended up being active all the way up to 2011, despite a few breakups. So originally they they wanted to produce a form of anti music without rhythm, beats, riffs, lyrics or song titles or any of the normal features of a band. An approach that they exemplified in their album or their EP entitled the 5,643 song EP. <laughs> Did so, it have that many songs on it? <laughs> but they were like just short bursts of noise and stuff. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> yeah. 5,643 song EP. That doesn't tell you their sense of humor. I think that's great. <laughs> After just explaining what an EP is. Anyway. So they've been categorized as grindcore, noisecore, noise grind, and hardcore. They're often referred to by their initials AC due to the offensive nature of their name and censorship limits on some radio and publications. As if they were on the radio ever. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, it's everybody's favorite AC song. So many of their album covers simply display the initials AC. However, they managed to subvert this abbreviation by drawing these letter in a, in a manner resembling an anus and a vulva. <laughs> you can, I don't know if I not get any reaction from you. Just staring at me. I just... <laughs> why do you think this is an acceptable topic? How is it not? Who wants to hear about this? Not me. People could find this entertaining. Who? You're not a little entertained? Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> like, I am not. All right, their early material contained no pre-written -pre lyrics or music. Rather, they developed an entirely improvised style, which consisted of extremely loud, fast, and aggressive noise. Over the years, they eventually shifted so, their style. So it's like listening to a band practice where they're trying to figure shit out. And they're also trying like, to learn their instruments at the same time, basically. <laughs> the early shit is terrible. I like some of their later stuff. Unlike Gigi Allen, I actually like some of their music. I mostly just like their song titles because they're ridiculous. I understand that why you wouldn't tell me what you're doing. Because <laughs> I needed this reaction. <laughs> I also didn't need you to tell me no. <laughs> you are not doing <laughs> anal kind. How dare you? Gotta dial back some of this creative freedom. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, they eventually shifted their style and began to incorporate more riffs and pre-written lyrics into their songs. I love that. Pre-written lyrics. Or, ju- or just written in general. Just some written lyrics. Or just lyrics. <laughs> right. <laughs> like written lyrics. Exactly. It was not until then that they earned the reputation for intentionally being outrageous and offensive. And I need to stress that. Because when I get to some of these song titles, they could be offensive to people. <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> Offended, but you gotta remember it. this is this is all meant just meant to be offensive. It's it's there's no seriousness here. There's no agenda here other than to piss people off, and I mean people. I mean everyone, and they made fun of themselves too. They even had song titles about that that were derogative what of the band Seth? itself. Did he die? He died. How did he die? Would you knock it off? That is not how this works. All right, so the band's first performance was in 1988 at Seth's mother's house in front of some family members, namely oh his God. mother, his two little brothers, and his grandmother, as well as some of his mother's friends. It's like everybody get together, anal cunts premiering. Get grandma. My Go get grandma. My band, and it's called Anal Cunt, and we'd like you to come in here. <laughs> This is just comedy. Get grandma out of the home. Right. We're gonna we're gonna put on a show for her and her friends. Watch it gone. I feel like Tina Belcher. <laughs> like, I understand now why she groans. <laughs> All right. So several, yeah, several other small performances followed in various basements and living rooms before their first public show live over over the radio at Brandi, Brandy's University. I don't know. I don't, I don't care. I don't give a shit. This was scheduled to be the band's first and last show, though it didn't quite work out that way. After a few more shows, the band decided to attempt a U.S. tour. In August 1988, a few days before which they recorded their 47-song demo, which was later released on a compilation of the band's material from the early years. They recorded their 88-song EP later that year, and after its release... 88 songs. (laughs) A number of record labels started showing interest in the band. (laughs) Your face. What? Like, who? (laughs) Uh, Earache Records, for instance. No, not a real. It's a big metal label. No, it's not. Not as big as, like, Metal Blade or Relapse, but it's a pretty big label in the underground with whom they would later sign a contract. So a few few releases later, Earache Records again made an offer to the band, this time to license the 5,643-song EP for a European pressing and later to buy the whole pressing. How many minutes long was that 5,000-whatever song ep all right i guess i can go look that up for you right now oh no no, no, no. <laughs> Since that's I, important well i'm just trying to figure it out because like if every single song was a minute that's five thousand minutes i don't have that kind of time to invest in a goddamn album i know the songs were i don't even think they were a minute some of them so they were just like seconds long no you don't have to go look it up i was just like all right all right so they continue to turn down offers from from labels for some reason it was also the point where the band decided they'd done as much as they could decided to split up after releasing another ep that's the name of it and completing that's their first the european album. tour that, uh, the ep's name is another ep yeah all right i can get behind that <laughs> so seth putnam and drummer tim morse decided to reform anal cunt <laughs> March 1st, 1991, exactly three years after they had initially formed. After the band's reformation, they decided they wanted to change their style to avoid getting bored again. They decided to actually write lyrics. 
yeah, they, they got a new guitarist. The guitarist for this new, slightly more musical anal cunt was originally supposed to be future member Paul Cranach, but ended up being Fred Ordonez, an Xboxer. Some more EPs followed. Xboxer. Including the world's first acoustic noise core record, the Unplugged EP. Before, before Seth decided to introduce some elements of real songs, that's a quote, into the band's material. <laughs> some They have record label interest, and they haven't even put out real songs yet and record labels are like huh i like that <laughs> song it was in, in, back then late 80s early 90s so later that year anal cunt decided on another european <laughs> tour <laughs> he's gonna laugh every time i say apparently it. <laughs> <laughs> despite the fact that drummer tim morse pulled out at the last minute the tour still went ahead with the band deciding to find a drummer while they were touring mm. yeah Two drummers auditioned, but were not fast enough for the band, so Anal Cunt decided to have both of them playing the same drum kit at the same time for the beginning of the tour before resorting to just using the faster of the two. <laughs> Bates. What? This, this should have been our first ever fucking Facebook live stream. Seriously. Because I can't, I don't have words <laughs> to react to this appropriately. I didn't learn enough words in school to be able to do that. Most of these shows consisted of Seth and Ordonez going into the crowd, punching people and destroying equipment because of not only drunkenness, but also the fact that the drummer did not know their songs very well. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> okay. So all of the band had released a lot of material. Their records were mostly out of print and hard to find, so the band got into contact with Eric Records since they had shown an interest prior. They wanted a label that would not only keep their records in stock, but also pay for their tours as they had been operating at a loss, essentially. So, Eric, Dude, I feel that. Right? <laughs> I operate at a that's loss. How, that's how it is. That's how you start off. You start off at a loss. Eric replied to Anal Cunt asking to hear some new material, and so the band went into a studio in September to record what would later be released on Relapse Records as Morbid Florist, which is, uh, that's Phil Anselmo's favorite Anal Cunt record, by the way. I was going to say, I actually like that name. Morbid Florist. Hmm. Well, I can get behind that. Uh, Fred Ordornez, uh briefly quit the band, but was asked back in after unsuccessful searches for a replacement, and Eric Records decided to sign them. They started recording their first album on the label, entitled Everyone Should Be Killed, in March of 1993. Recording was put on hold for a short West Coast tour in mid-1993, after which the guitarist Cranach quit the band. After some searching for a replacement, they just decided to stick with John Kozik and just have one guitar player. By the way, they never had a bass player. There was never a bass player in, in, in the there band. There was never a murder face. No. When that became kind of a... That was part of their influence on Grindcore. Like, Pig Destroyer didn't have a bass player until like a few years ago and they've been around for 20 like 21 years Pig Destroyer's been around for 21 yeah. I'm not asking you to cover them I want to be clear with this question I'm asking it's just a one off <laughs> yeah. I just have this one question okay no I don't need any additional answers okay but they've been around that long they've been around that long huh that's like they've been around longer than that actually they're... I've only heard of them in the last like five <laughs> well that's not true Probably in the last 10. So the transition from noise-style songs to fast, hardcore-style songs began in fall of that year with the recording of their next album entitled Top 40 Hits, <laughs> which featured the single Stayin' Alive, Oi! version. Released in 1995, this album is about 50% noise and 50% songs in a marked significant change in the band's style. Anal Cunt toured America again, and then 
In June, they toured Japan for the first time. After this, guitarist Kozik was replaced by Scott Hull. Don't make prolonged eye contact with me like I would know who that is. Of Pig Destroyer. Yeah, he founded Pig Destroyer, started off in Bring Anal it, Cunt. Bring it around, Val, you? <laughs> you know, Pig, I just got to say this. Pig Destroyer is my bucket list band. That is the one band I want to see that I've never seen, and they never come close enough to Ohio. Like, I think Water they played Pittsburgh my. about six years ago, but it was really, like, snowy. And I, was, I didn't want to go to Pittsburgh to see them. <laughs> You're like, I but they have an album coming out in September years. that hopefully they're going to tour and promote, and I'm hoping they will come. If they go to Pittsburgh, if that's the closest they get this time, I have to go because they're getting very old. Been around. Apparently. They've <laughs> yeah. been around for over 20 years. Who they're the like hell a knew? classic grindcore band at this point. Yeah, classic grindcore. Yeah. And they play it on 105.7 here in Cleveland on Magic 105. They, uh, they play the classic <laughs> you would think so. You make fun. Of, you tell me my music is not extreme, including Pig Destroyer. Have I told the story of... The first time you actually heard Pig Destroyer, though? <laughs> no. <laughs> you have So let me, I'll start the story. You can continue the story. So this was probably about, I don't, know, I don't want to, uh, probably about five or six years ago when I first got Spotify. And, yeah, and we had one account. And they didn't have family accounts at the time. Right. And the way it worked back then anyway on the app is you go into the app, you'd select your song or whatever and then it would play and I, I had this hooked up to my work truck one morning as i often did i had my my phone plugged in to listen to music and i went to listen to my favorite pig destroyer album which is called terrifier and i skipped the first track because it's kind of just uh the sound of footsteps running down the hallway sounds like a horror movie or something but so i went to the second track which is called pretty in cass and uh i hit play and my phone displayed that the song was playing, but I didn't hear anything. So I check all my connections, I check my volume, and it's not, there's nothing, there's no sound. And I don't understand why I can't hear my song. So meanwhile... I was in the shower. In the shower. And what were you doing besides showering? Listening to my music on Spotify. Right. Which at the but time... But then I wasn't. But at the time, they did not tell you, like, oh, play on this device, continue on this. Like, there was no pop-up like there is now. Like, now I'll start it yeah. up. Now we have separate accounts. But but e even so, like, if I if I walked out of work and my Spotify was still playing and yeah. I opened it up on my phone, it'll say continue playing on iMac or, you know, play on the iPhone or whatever. Right. So I can be like, oh, I must have left it on or whatever. But, like, so, so in the I'm in the shower minding my business and i'm like i don't know listening to moves like jagger like i'm listening to shit because <laughs> i'm just in the shower having a good time and that shit comes on and i jump out of the shower <laughs> to turn off my ipad which is what i was playing it on it was before we had a bluetooth speaker in the bathroom and i jump out and i'm like jesus christ <laughs> you just ended your shower in the I just middle ended. of it is what you told like, me like i you had just, like i saw soap in my hair i was like it's fine <laughs> It's fine. I'll just deal with greasy hair for a day. <laughs> You're so horrified by I what was, had happened. And I honestly had no idea. So I, of course, having learned what had happened later, I decided that, you know, I would mess with her by when I knew she was listening to Spotify. I would interrupt with crazy songs or stupid songs and stuff. But that first time I had no idea. And I just kept restarting the song. Yeah, he just kept making it happen. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like, this iPad is garbage. Like something has happened. 
It just you thought you thought your iPad was like broken at first. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't understand because I couldn't make it stop doing it. So it's like, I don't uh, understand what's happening. That was great. No. So anyway, it wasn't Scott Holt took over. And he was in Pig Destroyer for like not even a year, basically, but went on to form Pig Destroyer. The, the premier grindcore band, I would say. Uh, yeah, OK. Yeah. He also has a, he's also in another band called Agoraphobic Nosebleed, but that's neither here nor there. I have no comment for that. Like, that's <laughs> the shit that you say. I'm just like, OK, I guess we'll go with that. Oh, yeah. Well, but going back to my, my other point, though, is like you, you tell me my music is not extreme because you've been over time. It's extreme when you're in the shower singing fucking Maroon 5, minding right. your business. But recently I said, hey, let's go see this band captured by robots. Oh, yeah. We're going to see that. We'll invite Rebecca since she lives over that way. One of my friends. And so you invite your friend and I say, did you tell her what kind of music it is? Because that's also a grindcore band. And you said, no, your music's not extreme. (laughs) She's used to it now, which is great. Yeah, I was like, whatever, dude. It's like a band with some robots. Like, it's fine. Like, who cares? She'll be fine. (laughs) She'll be fine. Now, to be fair, Rebecca doesn't listen, so I can I can talk about her. Um. (laughs) And then if she does listen, it'll be funny because at one time she listened and it was when she had texted me in the middle of it and she was like, haha. But for her birthday this year, we saw Carlos Jones, which is a Cleveland local reggae band. So she might be horrified. Yeah, I don't think this in like who was the other. You said she saw like my morning jacket or yeah. some other. And she recently went to Rover Fest, which is a god awful music fest in Cleveland. Yeah, it is. It is just shit upon shit fest. It is. It's like they should just call it like shit on your shoe fest. Right. It's bad. Rover shit fest. So anyway, so they anal cunt toured America again with Scott Hull taking over on guitar with this lineup. They recorded the album 40 More Reasons to Hate Us, which was 40 songs. That was the first album I ever bought by anal cunt. Cool. And that's what got me into. I can never I can't say like I'm into them because but I, I do like that album. And the, you the, aren't into them. No, I'm not. Like, I don't have any shirts. I should That's get not a shirt. A thing. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> you absolutely should not get a shirt. <laughs> but the main reason I bought that album is because Phil Anselmo guested on it and covered a song Classic called... Classic Sean. Yeah. Like Fanboy. Yeah, he, he guested on the album. And also, uh, like a couple years later, Seth guested on the Pantera album, The Great Southern Trend Hill. He did some backing vocals on the title track. I don't know if you knew that or not. That's why I thought you knew him. He's like famous, man. No, he's he's on a Pantera album. From what That's I can huge. tell, he's dead and you won't tell me why or how. <laughs> uh, anyway, OK, so 40 More Reasons to Hate Us was recorded. Uh, this album marked another change in the band's direction as it was the start of them having lyrics and insults contained in their song. That's a big step. So now we've gone from from having pre-written lyrics to uh-huh. having lyrics and insults. So <laughs> it's just Which, all in one. And it all started with just like noise, noise, seconds and of noise and screaming and randomness and improv. Yeah, it was noise and improv. Like I say, he, he considered became, himself a comedian, like you know, kind of a dark comedian, basically. He thought he was Andy Kaufman. Maybe the music scene. So then they released their next full length, which was called I Like It When You Die, which they had recorded prior to this tour. I could see that. This album was essentially a collection of insults and featured 
featured again the world famous songs entitled "Ha Ha Your Life Your Wife Left You." <laughs> uh, another classic called "You Look Adopted." Oh my god, <laughs> that's brutal's. Uh, another one called "You Are an Interior Decorator." All right, <laughs> that's an insult coming no. from them. Apparently, <laughs> I was gonna say like, all right, cool. Uh, and you're in a coma. Another... <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, the old anal cunt classic. You're in a coma. They also, um, they kind of started this gag where they would, they would call things gay as an insult on this album. So they, they had songs like you're gay, technology's gay, recycling is gay. The internet is gay. Wind chimes are gay. And, <laughs> wind chimes. and lastly, the word homophobic is gay. <laughs> All right. That one's, that one's that's solid. Uh, uh, then another thing they started on this was uh, you. And then they would follow it up with something like uh, you own a store. You live in a houseboat. You are an orphan. You go to art school. You keep a diary. And they even had a song called You Fill in the Blank. And then one called I'm in Anal Cut. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, it's made fun of everything, basically. So they didn't seem to take it too seriously. So what happened no. to Seth then? How did he die? Or So anyway, uh, so we're going to kind of come back around to one of those song titles. I know I just I threw a lot of them at you. So I assume we're going to talk about you are an interior decorator. <laughs> no, it is not. Uh, oh. No, it's actually the one called You're in a Coma. Oh, Jesus Christ. So. What? Seth going to a coma? On October 12th, 2004, Seth was hospitalized after ingesting a cocktail of crack cocaine, alcohol, heroin, and two months worth of Ambien sleeping pills. All right. Well, that feels like his fault. <laughs> I mean, it, is, it has been reported he spent the previous day contemplating suicide, though exact circumstances surrounding the drug overdose are vague. Well, I mean. Doctors thought Sounds that like even it. if he survived, he would suffer permanent serious brain damage and were intending to pull the plug before his, his mother intervened. After coming out of the coma, huh? yeah, Seth was now paralyzed and had sustained severe nerve damage, needing months of physical therapy to recover. For the first show that Anal Cunt played following this coma. What? Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> I, got, I got you now. You're in. You're on board. Like, the dude took two months worth of Ambien and was like, I got better. He got on stage and was like, so, here's my classic song, You're in a Coma. <laughs> For the first show that they played following the coma, Seth had to remain seated in a chair throughout. He said he would continue to play songs such as You're in a Coma and, a prom <laughs> and promise that the band would release new material. Seth's reaction to the resulting irony of being in a coma was published in the Boston Phoenix. Quote, Actually, it turned out it was just as gay as the song I wrote nine years ago. Being in a coma was just as fucking stupid as I wrote it was. <laughs> you can't help but like this guy. Come on. <laughs> so, like, does he go on about being in a coma? Like, do you know you're in a coma? Like, what happens? No. I've never it, Googled that. It says that they kept performing the song uh, during live shows after his coma with, with Seth sharing anecdotes with the audience before the song. So why is he dead now? <laughs> like, I thought it sounded like he was going to die, but then he didn't die. And then he went back on stage. And is, is he dead now? He said he's dead now because everything was past tense. So in 1999, they recorded an album called It Just Gets Worse, which took <laughs> the idea of intentional offense a step further uh, with song titles like You're Pregnant, So I Kicked You in the Stomach. Oh, 
I Oof. lit your baby on fire and women, nature's punching bag. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> Holy shit, bro! Uh, Holy fuck! To, the lyrics to two of the songs on this album were altered, and one of the songs on the album had its name changed from, quote, Connor Clapton committed suicide because his father sucks. Oh my god! God <laughs> to your kid committed suicide because you suck because they were working for a record label in Britain where libel laws are very stringent. They were like, dear Eric Clapton. That was the opening of the song. <laughs> Holy shit, bro. It was also on the album. It just gets worse that the band began to include references to the Holocaust in their songs, including. Okay. All right. Including. Shut it down. I sent concentration camp footage to America's funniest home videos. Uh. Hitler was a sensitive man and body by Auschwitz. <sighs> That's yeah. why from funny to just horrifying. Uh. Oh, and, oh, I went back in time and voted for Hitler was another one. Yeah, what the but, fuck? They're just trying to be offensive. That's literally it. It's well, a they, joke. They it's not it. real. They didn't do they anything. They nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. And nobody, nobody even knew about it. And then on June 11th, 2011... He died of a suspected heart attack. That's it. That's all it says about his death. I can't find anything else. <laughs> I have felt so many emotions. Story. <laughs> it's quite a roller coaster ride. It has been. There were a lot of testimonials from famous musicians uh, about him afterwards. Just talking about what a like nice, sensitive guy he was. Yeah, he sounds everything. like he was a nice, no. sensitive guy. It's comedy. Body it's by performance. Auschwitz. It's performance. It's comedy. Jesus fucking Christ. It's see, don't don't be one of those people. Listen, I'm hard to offend. But that shit, that was rough. That was rough. But one of my favorite things was when Phil Anselmo of Pantera was talking about Seth and what a you know great guy he was, what a dark sense of humor he had and everything like that, is that he loved that Seth had no compunctions about being honest though and he would tell phil that all his all the bands phil was in sucked <laughs> like, he did, he like, i don't like any of your bands they, yeah. they all suck then why was he on that pantera record I, money money or why not because he's friends with phil because if dude my it's like me like, like if, if i if jj abrams said hey do you want to be in a star wars movie and play a really stupid, lame character. Yeah, I'd be like, it. yeah, of course. Yeah, you'd be Judge Urbanks Jr. Yeah, exactly. It's it, why wouldn't you? And also, it's it's for, when you're a comedian, you you put yourself. It's kind of like James Franco. Do you remember when James Franco? Well, he's still weird, but yeah. like he went, he was a guest on General Hospital at one point. And like yeah. the peak of his fame, he's like, yeah, I want to be on General. Like that was his idea. I want to be on, on a soap opera. He was on Thirty Rock as himself. Yeah, like, he, a, he, he, he loved making fun of himself. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's nice though. Oh, okay. So that was the life and death of Seth Putnam, Grindcore. What's the word I'm looking for? Innovator. And eventually. <laughs> Huge influence on Grindcore. Influencer. Just edit that. Make that sound a little bit better. <laughs> a little bit less stupid. Slightly more profound. All of this is staying in. Yeah. Every, yeah. I'm just going to burp the rest of the time. All right, I do have to burp, though. Oh, my God. Listen. <laughs> so are you going to start listening to Anal Cunt now? Is no. it going to go on your Spotify playlist? <laughs> no. Man, your faces are priceless. Fuck Meerkat Maggie. 
Fuck off. So what do you have for us this week? So this week I'm doing WikiLeaks. Yes. And that's pretty, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe one day I'll have scripted lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> right. Pre-written lyrics even. So WikiLeaks is an international nonprofit organization that publishes secret information, news leaks, classified media, that kind of stuff. IKEA and instructions. No, I think IKEA publishes those. Oh. And it's all stuff that's provided by anonymous sources. They literally have like a Dropbox on their website where you could just like send them whatever. To understand the motivation behind WikiLeaks, I found this quote on the website's about page. Now, it hasn't been updated since 2011, but this is still pretty relevant. And the website has, just not this page. In its landmark ruling on the Pentagon Papers, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that, quote, only a free and unrestrained press can effectively expose deception in government, end quote. Yes. They state that they agree and that the ruling stated that, quote, paramount among the responsibilities of a free press is the duty to prevent any part of the government from deceiving the people and sending them off to, to distant lands to die of foreign fevers and foreign shot and shell. Hmm. So that's a quote from, like, the fucking government. Right. All right. The fucking government. The fucking government. Our government. We're in the United States. Its website was initiated in 2006 in Iceland by an organization called the Sunshine Press. And to date, it claims a docu uh, database of uh, 10 million documents. Wow. That's a lot of documents. Holy shit. <laughs> so Julian Assange, I'm sure you've heard of him. Yes. He's in the news a lot. Yeah. And after a while, I realized I don't know why he's in the news. No. I don't. I know what he looks like. He's an interesting looking person. <laughs> but I don't know what he actually like, who he is and what's the what's the deal. So he is Australian. He's considered an Internet activist. And he's generally described as WikiLeaks founder, editor in chief and director. Right. He was born July 3rd in 1971. So he's not that old. Yeah. In um, Australia. I, I see, see, same as you. I have all this information like. His parents were visual yeah, artists and an anti-war, like whatever. But like I pulled this, like this is compiled notes that I pulled. But his mother married Richard Assange when Julian was a year old. And Richard was an actor in a small theater troupe that traveled. So Julian ended up in 30 different schools by the time he was a teenager. Holy shit. Yeah. The only reason I left that in is because I feel like you get a little maladjusted. Yeah when you're oh, yeah. that much. So he developed a passion for computers and he discovered he's really skilled at hacking. I don't know if you know, okay. but he was. And he began hacking under the name Mendax in 1987. So he was like hacking in the 80s. He was 16. That was I was six. So that's crazy. That predates the movie hackers, right? Like he was a hacker hacker. Yeah. And along with two of his friends, he formed an ethical hacking group. During this time, he hacked into several U.S. Department of Defense facilities, the U.S. Navy, NASA, and Australia's Overseas Telecommunication Commission. Holy shit. Yeah. He also hacked into the websites of several prominent corporations and institutions like Citibank, Lockheed Martin, Motorola, Panasonic, Xerox, the Australian National University, and Stanford. Wow. Yeah. He was like, you're just fucking, fucking everything up. That's, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. 
His hacking activities came to light in the early 90s, and he was eventually charged oh, with... So, wait, you said it was like 1987? So yeah. Was he like 16? Yeah, that's Jesus what I said. Christ. He was 16. I was six. I didn't even know there was the internet back then. Right. But there was. Yeah. Apparently in Australia. Who knew? Like, I didn't hear about it until the 90s. Um, but he his hacking activity came to light in the early 90s. He was charged with 31 counts of hacking-related crimes in 1994. Wow. He pled guilty to 25 charges in 96 and he just got away with a fine what things are different now yeah think back to our deep web right yeah holy shit yeah you gotta find you're not getting a slap on the wrist nowadays he's well nobody understood right like nobody knew what he was like right that would have been life in prison nowadays (laughs) right (laughs) straight execution (laughs) right read my fucking emails grr he spent three years as a researcher working with the academic Sulet Dreyfus, who was researching on the subversive side of the Internet. Their intensive research culminated in the publication of Underground. It was a book published in 1997 about Australian hackers, and it became a bestseller in the computing fraternity. OK, so like Neo would have read it. You know? <laughs> Neo. Neo. Read it. Well, I mean, he knew who Trinity was like he would have read that book. Right. He registered the domain leaks.org in 1999. Imagine what that would go for now. Leaks.org would sell for $100,000. Probably more. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's very, it's a very Dr. Evil moment. (laughs) Um, I wonder if maybe leaks.org is still available, like L-E-E-K-S, for leak enthusiasts. No, it's probably taken too, <laughs> and they're trying to sell it to somebody who the really fuck likes. Is leak. a leak? It's isn't it? Is isn't it, like, it a, like an onion? Is that what it is? Like a like a not an, thinking it's of like not a, an onion. It's its own thing, but it's like I was thinking of like the squash family. I have no, no idea what a leak no, is. No, it's not. It's, is it green? It's green, and it's um. Is it like I had a green a, bean? I had a no, not at all. It's more like scallion-y. Okay. I had a goat cheese. Well, scallion, that's those long green. I'm kind of yeah. on the same page. Go, I had. I don't um, know why I was thinking squash though. I had a goat cheese and leek tart once. Yeah. Amazing. So, wait, it looks like a scallion or it tastes like a scallion? I don't know. It's been a couple years. No. Possibly both. Can we call this wikileaks.org? With an With two E's. So. We can avoid watch lists that way. Right. We can also avoid any kind of SEO and chance of people finding us on purpose. Anyway, so he registered leaks.org in 1999 and used it to publicize a patent granted to the NSA in August of 99 for voice data harvesting technology. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Good thing that nobody uses that anymore. He felt that the common man should be concerned about this patent as it's meant that everyone's phone calls could be tapped by foreign spy agencies at any time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was, uh, that was in 99. This dude was ahead of his time. Seriously. In 2006, he began working on WikiLeaks. And he, he treated it as a website that was intended to share secret information and news leaks on an international scale. It was launched in 2007. And he ran the site from Sweden, leveraging the country's strong laws protecting a person's anonymity. So here is a timeline of events kind of bringing you from 2007 to current. Okay. November 2007, a 2003 
copy of standard operating procedures for Camp Delta detailing the protocol of the U.S. Army at Guantanamo, Guantanamo Bay detention camp was released. So that happens in 2007, and it's released on Wikipedia. The document, or not Wikipedia. <laughs> what, what <do> <laughs> absolutely not. Wiki? Wiki? Yeah, absolutely not Wikipedia. WikiLeaks. And it's funny because if you go to WikiLeaks Wikipedia page, it says WikiLeaks is not part of the Wikimedia family. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wikipedia is like, no. No. <laughs> no. New, new, new. Um, the document, though, revealed that prisoners were off limits to the International Committee of the Red Cross, which is something that the U.S. military had in the past been denying. Hmm. So that's kind of where, remember when like Guantan Guantanamo Bay was like in the news a lot? Yes. Like it was a big deal? Yeah. That's why. Because this kind of brought it to the forefront where people were like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on there? Right. March 2008, WikiLeaks publishes what they referred to as the Collected Secret Bibles of Scientology. Oh, now it's 10 years later. And that's interesting. Well, it's 10 years later and they're pretty well known. Yeah. Like now we, we have common knowledge of it between right. like Leah Remini and, you know, Tom Cruise and all that. Yeah. We have an idea. But at the time, this was groundbreaking. No one knew anything oh, yeah. about Scientology. So it was written by L. Ron Hubbard and these operating Thetan documents, the OT documents. They showed Scientologists how they can reach the eight different levels that Scientologists are trying to reach. So this has been parodied so many times. Right. Like on BoJack Horseman with improv groups. And I mean, like, it's just, it's a it's a big parody thing. Right. But at this time, nobody knew about it. Right. So it went into this and it, it had um, handwritten notes from L. Ron Hubbard. Wow. As he described the path to level OT1, because it goes, you go all the way through OT1 through OT, OT8. And the drills include walking around and counting bodies until you have a revelation. Counting bodies? That's what I said. Like dead bodies? Like at the what? No. Like and then people? you are to make a report on how many bodies you've counted. Just like people walking just around? Just people. Just, po just count. Just see how high you can count. That's wow. People fell for this shit. People still but fall for this like shit. It's all like that. It's like no it's large and small female bodies. Large, small or I'm sorry. Note large and small male bodies find a tight packed crowd of people write it as a crowd and then as individuals note it down do not step until you know i like it's very like cryptic and weird and like what are you talking about you just want me to count people and then i become the next level of thetan just hearing this makes me angry i couldn't imagine signing up for it and then being instructed to do this and then right. being on board with it right like, so yeah, this makes a lot of sense to me i'm gonna go do this all this shit was published like, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And then a couple days later, on March 27th, an L.A.-based law firm, Moxon and Coburn, they said that publishing the advanced technology, which is the name of the, the Bible or whatever mm -hmm. in Scientology, um, WikiLeaks had then violated U.S. copyright law. So that was like their first kind of stumble into issue where people were like, hey, wait, like the government didn't come after them for Guantan Guantanamo Bay stuff. But people were like, you're breaking some laws. But they were in Sweden. All right. So. Side, sidebar. If, if you're writing religious texts or documents, which I assume that's what these would be considered. Yeah. But L. Ron Hubbard owns the rights. Right. To those texts. You're going to copyright that. That doesn't set off alarm bells like he doesn't want everybody to know about this stuff. Like. Right. Like, is there a copyright on the Bible? R religions typically would... work under 
you know, the assumption that they're trying to save everyone. They're trying to gather everyone because they have no, important Scientology. information. Scientology just wants the like, rich people who rich, pay. important people. Yeah, to count to count bodies. <laughs> to count bodies. From what I can tell. They're Thetan cells or whatever they're called. I don't know. So September Jesus of two thousand eight. So this is this is ten years ago now. During the 2008 U.S. presidential election campaign, the contents of a Yahoo email account belonging to Sarah Palin, the running mate to Republican presidential nominee, the late John McCain. Yeah. I think we know who Sarah Palin is. Well, I I, I was giving John McCain a shout out because he died like yesterday. (laughs) Shout out, John McCain. (laughs) Shout out. I know you're not listening due to death and you weren't listening previous due to not listening. But... um, her emails were all posted and they, after being hacked into by a group known as anonymous. Oh yeah. Okay. No, I know those guys. So the specific hacker, his name is David Colonel. And I don't go into this a lot on all the other things in the timeline, Yeah. but this was so interesting to me that we need to talk about this for a second. Okay. So David Colonel, obtained access to Palin's account by looking up her biographical details, such as her high school, her birth date, and then used the account recovery to get her password. Oh, they have a term for that, because they were doing that with Xbox Live accounts at one point. Then he posted several pages of Palin's emails on 4chan. It's called, like, strong-arm hacking, like, where you just strong-arm your way into somebody's information. Yeah. As opposed to, like, a more clever way of hacking No, yeah, it's easy. It's, like, real... And then you're like, no, I'm that person. I can tell you everything about him because yeah. she's a politician. So her shit, her life's an open book. Yeah. Um, but she put, he posted this stuff on 4chan's board. And at the time of the offense, he was 20 and he was a college student. And he's the son of longtime Democrat, Democratic state representative Mark Colonel of Memphis, Tennessee. Oh. Yeah. Oh. He was charged in October of 2008 in federal court and after that he was led to he was led the court in like leg irons like he was treated like a serious criminal but before i go any further let me tell you this 4chan even said there was absolutely nothing in her emails it was just i was gonna say it it had to be the most empty-headed vapid yeah it's exactly like there was nothing everyone was like huh nothing yeah but um, so he was charged. He was brought in leg irons and handcuffs he was treated (laughs) her emails being like like if the character elf I saw a dog today. Yeah. Bye. I love you. <laughs> love you. Bye. I'll call you in five minutes. Yeah. So he was brought in. Okay. So this is 2008, right? It's 14 years since, since um, Assange's. Right. Like being like slap on the wrist. Right. This dude is brought in in leg irons and handcuffs for one email hack. Wow. Meanwhile, this other dude is like hitting up banks. Right. The judge released him on his own recognizance pending the trial, and he was ultimately prosecuted in the U.S. federal court as four felony crimes punishable by 50 years in prison. The charges were identity theft, wire fraud, and anticipatory obstruction of justice, as well as one, as well as one optional felony intentionally accessing an account without authorization. He pled not guilty to all counts, and there was a jury trial. It featured the testimony of both Sarah and Bristol Palin, as well as 4chan founder Christopher Poole. Hmm. It began in, in April of 2010, and the jury found Cornell guilty of two counts, the felony obstruction of justice or anticipatory obstruction of justice, 
and a misdemeanor of unauthorized access to a computer. Sarah Palin stated that she and her family were very thankful to the jury. He was sentenced in November to one year and one day in federal custody, followed by three years of supervised release. I was, I was really curious what to his sentence what was, was. going to be yeah. since he was the son of somebody important, you know? Yeah. And that, that he got a year. He got a year and, and a the sentencing judge recommended that it be served at a halfway house. Oh, my God. But Fucking FBI. Hell. Or I'm sorry, not FBI, Federal Bureau of Prisons, FBP. Okay. That was a thing. Sent him instead to a maximum security prison. Well, that's good. Where he was housed until November of 2011. He got out a year later. And he's probably in like those those prisons you hear about those that they send old white men to. Well, it's maximum like, security. Yeah, but I, I still feel like like your old boss. What, what did they send him oh, to prison? No, he just got an ankle monitor. I haven't. Are you looked. fucking kidding me? I haven't looked to see. I had a boss who embezzled. Old white men. Old rich white men. Sorry. Yeah. Well, he was only rich because he stole the money. But still. Yeah. They, it, but even though and that that's the kicker is the fact that the only reason he's rich is because he stole and they still treat him like he's like a better class of criminal. That's the, infuriating. My boss was let out by the FBI in handcuffs. We were all questioned. I was cleared by the FBI. I was never even questioned by the FBI. I was told by our internals that I had been cleared previously. Like, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So that's cool. I'm not on anybody's watch list. They don't even give a shit about me. They were like, where That's do you look They want her? you to think. They want you to get comfortable. Oh, they can, they can well, watch yeah, me. Well, yeah, there's nothing going on. Yeah, still. I'm literally broadcasting my thoughts. Like, if you want to know, I got <laughs> right. an Alexa. I have a <laughs> <Right>. podcast. <laughs> I'm an open book. We got book. all the permissions turned right. on on our phones. <laughs> right. I have, I have an iPhone. Like, you can listen to me whenever. Um, so in November of 2009, so we're backtracking a little bit just because I wanted to talk about that trial. But going back into the WikiLeaks timeline. The they released five hundred and seventy thousand intercepted pager messages sent on the day of the September 11th attacks. Oh, that's not cool. They were um, they were mainly yeah pagers. They were mainly between like um, authorities. Right. It wasn't like the victims. Oh, my God. But it kind of set the stage so that you'd realize that, like, yeah, this was not like, I know there are conspiracy theorists out there, yeah, but the people reacting had no idea. I read a couple, there was like, there was a lot of messages and I read a couple yeah. of them and they were very sad. And I was like, okay, I'm done with that. Um, so even though these initial reports did gain like some attention and they generated some curiosity, Assange didn't gain his international attention uh, attention until he published these documents sent in by Chelsea Manning. Now, I'm only going to address this here and then I'm going to call her Chelsea Manning the rest of the time. Yeah. Chelsea Manning at the time, she is a transgender woman. At the time, her name was Bradley Manning. Okay. The Manning material included the collateral murder video of April 2010, the Afghanistan war logs from July 2010, and the Iraq war logs from October 2010, as well as more Guantanamo files from April 2011. Talking about Manning a little bit, she was assigned in 2009 to an army unit in Iraq as an intelligence analyst, and she had access to many classified databases. In early 2010, she leaked classified information to WikiLeaks and confided this, confided this to Adrian Lamo, an online acquaintance. I don't know why people feel like they can trust people online. <laughs> I don't right? get it. Lamo 
indirectly informed the Army's Criminal Investigation Command, and Manning was arrested in May. The material included videos of the July 12, 2007 Baghdad airstrike, the 2009 Grenay airstrike in Afghanistan. Um, it had over almost 500,000 Army reports that came to be known as I remember, Iraq. I remember this. Okay, so all of that. And it was published by WikiLeaks and its media partners between April 10th or April 2010 and April 2011. Manning was charged with 22 offenses, including aiding the enemy, which was the most serious charge and could have resulted in a death sentence. Right. That's, oh. And she was held at the Marine Corps brig in Quantico in Virginia. That's like where the FBI. Yeah. She was held there from July of 2010 to April 2011 under prevention of injury status. Hmm. Yeah. And then she was transferred to Joint Regional Correction Facility in Kansas, where she could then finally interact with other detainees. She pled guilty in February 2013 to TED charges. And the trial on the remaining charges began on June 3rd, 2013, and on July 30th, she was convicted of 17 of the original charges and an amended version of four others. But she was acquitted in aiding the enemy. Hmm. So the death sentence one she got off of. She was sentenced to serve 35 years in maximum security. But on January 17, 2007, President Barack Obama commuted her sentence to nearly seven years of confinement from the date of her arrest on, on May 27th, 2010. I remember that too. Yep. It's quite a different sentence for yeah. the transgender person versus the white dude with the powerful dad. He did a year. Yeah. Yeah. Transgender it's, person. Well, I mean, she also leaked a whole bunch of shit. He got like some emails from some chick talking about, that is like, true. you know, traveling around to shoot moose or whatever. <laughs> I don't I don't know much about Sarah Palin. <laughs> so after the publishing of the Manning material, U.S. authorities began investigating WikiLeaks and Assange. During this time, the Swedish police were also interrogating him in connection with two sexual assault cases. And a European arrest warrant was issued by Swedish authorities. Assange turned himself in to London police. He spent several months on house arrest in London and in June of 2012, he sought refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. That's where he's been. I'm sure you know that. Yeah. It's all over the news. And he was granted political asylum by the Ecuadorian government. In its formal statement, Ecuador reasoned that as a consequence of Assange's determined defense to freedom and expression of freedom of the press, at any given moment, it may come to a situation of li- where his life, safety, or personal integrity are in danger. Latin America also expressed its support for Ecuador. And Ecuadorian president confirmed that Assange could stay at the embassy indefinitely. Wow. So let's fast forward a little bit. Not much to report from like, this is like 2012. Not much to report until July of 2016. WikiLeaks released 20,000 emails from the Democratic National Committee staffers. Remember this? No. The emails appear to show the committee favoring Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders during the presidential primary. On October 7th, 2016, 
WikiLeaks starts releasing a series of emails and documents sent from or received by Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, John Podesta, including Hillary Clinton's paid speeches to banks. And according to Clinton... I do remember this. Yeah. To a spokesperson for the Clinton campaign, by dribbling these out every day, WikiLeaks is proving that they are nothing but a propaganda arm of the Kremlin... <laughs> and a political agenda doing with a political agenda doing Vladimir Putin's dirty work to help elect Donald Trump. <laughs> that was a quote from who? Who said that? A spokesman for the Clinton campaign. Oh, okay. The New York Times reported that when they asked Putin, he replied that Russia was being falsely accused and the hysteria. This is a quote from Putin. The hysteria is merely caused by the fact that somebody needs to divert attention of the American people from the essence of what is proposed by the hackers. Exposed. Right. I'm sorry. That's actually accurate. Yeah. I, I, I didn't say it wasn't. That's what Trump does all the time. Mm -hmm. like, he's like, don't pay attention. He's like, look over here. Right. Yep. On October 17th, 10 days later, 2016, WikiLeaks announced that a, quote, state party had severed Assange's internet connection at the Ecuadorian embassy. Hmm. Ecuadorian government stated that it had temporarily <laughs> severed his internet because of his re his release of documents impacting the U.S. election. Wow. On December 29th, the internet was returned to him. <laughs> he kept it Great off. Great job. They kept it off for two months. May 3rd, 2017. During a Senate hearing, FBI Director James Comey refers to WikiLeaks as intelligent porn. Declaring that the site's... Intelligent porn or intelligence porn? Intelligence. Okay. Did I say intelligent? Yeah, he's an intelligent well, porn. Super smart porn. <laughs> Everybody's got glasses on. <laughs> it's intelligence porn. Declaring that the site's disclosures are intended to damage the U.S. rather than educate the public. People can argue... This is a quote. People can argue that maybe there is conduct WikiLeaks has engaged in the past... That's closer to regular news gathering, but in my view, a huge portion of WikiLeaks activities is nothing more has nothing to do with legitimate news gathering. That's a that's a James Comey quote. Now fast forward to this year, May, twenty eighteen, The Guardian, that newspaper over in England, yeah, yeah. reported that over a five year span, Ecuador has spent five million dollars through their secret, secret intelligence budget to protect Assange and its London, London embassy. Holy shit. It employs an international security company and undercover agents to monitor his visitors, embassy staff, and the British police. Holy shit. Visitors include individuals linked to the Kremlin. Ecuadorian officials had also reported, had reportedly, I'm sorry, reportedly also devised plans to help Assange escape should British authorities use force to enter the embassy to seize him. The Guardian also reported that documents and, quote, a source which, who wished to remain anonymous had indicated that by 2014, Assange had compromised the embassy's communication systems and arranged his own satellite <laughs> hookup. <laughs> by penetrating the embassy's firewall, Assange was allegedly able to access and intercept the official and personal communication of the staff. <laughs> According to The Guardian, this, this claim was denied by WikiLeaks as anonymous libel aligned with the current UK-US government onslaught. In yeah. July, so last month of 2018, Glenn Greenwald reported that the Ecuador, Ecuadorian Foreign Ministry was finalizing an agreement to release Assange into the custody of a British government. 
in a press conference the following week, the president, the Ecuadorian president, confirmed that he wanted Assange out of the embassy, but also, quote, for his life not to be in danger. This prompted wide speculation that he was trying to strengthen his, Ecuador's, relations with the U.S. Hmm. As of this month... Assange has not been charged by the U.S. government for his leaking of highly sensitive classified information. But under Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions, that may change. Yeah. WikiLeaks has dumped tens of thousands of private and classified files into public domain, embarrassing the Bush and Obama administrations, as well as Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. And if the U.S. were to to charge Mr. Assange with spying offenses it would fall into the court of the UK to determine whether or not to extradite him. Hmm. Glenn Greenwald believes that that would be highly contested and does not believe that he's going to be extradited because extradition is supposed to be for murders, murder, rape and violent crime or financial fraud. So he hasn't actually done anything to be extradited for. Yeah. Like not yet. What his sentence would be. I'm just jealous because, I mean, I am a white man, but I just feel like if I did that stuff because I'm not rich and I'm not related to anybody powerful, I would just go to regular pound me in the ass prison. You know what I mean? Well, that's what that's what uh, Chelsea Manning went to. Yeah, it was it was before she had her legal name change and her, her sex change and all that. And she was she was Bradley Manning and set to pound me in the ass prison. She hasn't had any of that done on since, you know, I mean, like she she got out like I, there was a timeline for her trends, you know, her transition and all that, too. But I left that out because it didn't have anything to do with WikiLeaks. Yeah. But that's what she had. Like, that's what happened to her. So, yeah, that's my topic this week. That was good. Interesting, right? Yeah. I rushed through it because we're at almost an hour and a half, but we have a lot of editing to do due to your flatulence. Flatulence? Makes sound like I was farting. Isn't flatulence whenever you pass gas? I'm pretty sure it's just farting. I don't think it applies to burping. There's something else for burping. Belching. Belching. I don't know. There's got to be a different term. Are you looking it up? Is that yeah. why you just grabbed your phone? Yeah. <laughs> flatulence makes it sound like I'm sitting over here farting the whole time. Well, you do do that. Do I, do. I... <laughs> intestinal gas that's passed from the anus all right so it's not passed from the anus point made I forget. there is a, a term for for burping and i forget what it is it's not belching oh yeah belching i guess or erectation erectation so belching i just learned that word everybody just learned that's that just word belching. but it's not flatulence jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> god damn <laughs> Uh, flatulence. Now I've gone down a rabbit hole. I love watching these little people also ask sections uh, when you Google something. You know we're still recording a podcast. Is burping a lot a sign of cancer? Someone asked. Another question. Why am I burping a lot? <laughs> <laughs> I love the people also ask sections. There's some great questions in there. People are so stupid. <laughs> Why am I burping a lot? Like you type that into the internet. Right. Type to a random search. What is wrong with me? <laughs> Google, tell me. Google, tell me everything you know. So yeah, that's it. That's it. Love so this week, we did it. Anal cunt, WikiLeaks. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's rough, bro. We should we should retitle the band like Banal Tunt. 
or something for the for the description. Is that good? No. Banal tunt? Because those are, you know, banal's a word. We're just going to have to talk about, and tunt is that character from, right. uh, from, from Archer. Archer. Um, but we're just going to have to call it banal Seth. Tunt. What's his name? Seth, Seth Groden? Seth. Seth Godin? What's his name? Yeah, Charles Groden. Yeah. <laughs> Lead singer of Anal Cunt, Charles Groden. Seth. Seth Putnam. 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 Isn't Putnam Putnam Press? Isn't that a thing? I don't know. Cool. I'm glad we're playing this word association. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to Maybe. end the podcast. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Shirts. IsleyBrosApparel.com. Thanks for listening. Extra special thanks to our patrons. Extra special thanks to anybody who's still listening at this point. And also anybody who's bought a shirt because that's supportive yeah. as well. Dude. That's awesome. And if you don't if you don't like the podcast, I don't know why you're an hour and a half into it and you don't like it. <laughs> Listening like, to this part. Like, but if you if you don't like the podcast, I have other shirts. I have some really, <laughs> right. I got really other does. shit. Like what else do you like? What else do you like? You like you like mental health stuff? I got mental health shirts. Like what do you like? All right. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.